Tonight, we're going to uh, look at a passage in Matthew chapter 7, and uh, if you will turn with me there, chapter 7, verses 21 through 27, and there is a parallel passage in the book of Luke that we'll also look at, look, look, uh, we'll go to briefly, but uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 27. Hear God's word. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And then the passage in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against the house and could could not, but, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell, and the ruin of the house was great. I read both passages just to emphasize to you exactly what Jesus is saying there. That's really a passage that is uh, sobering, even frightening. But let's kind of get the context of this passage in, in Luke, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter uh, 7. Now, what, where are we? Jesus has been giving what we, are, the, uh, what we all refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 and 6, and now is finishing that sermon in chapter 7. He was on a hill, a high hill in northern Israel that was, I think, is referred to as the uh, Chorazim Plateau. It was a high hill, and there were large crowds that were 
flocking to Jesus and following him, had followed him, and he had gone up on that hill, and he sat down, and he taught them. And we have a, a, the most wonderful sermon um, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it's just packed, and pastors have preached many thousands of sermons from that are based and, and rooted in that Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had so much to teach that he taught there on that mountain. Think of the things that you know that come from the Sermon on the Mount. Beatitudes, right? What do we pray every Sunday? The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Um, there in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus went in great detail there to explain God's law to them, to clarify. He wanted them to understand that there's so much more to God's law than they probably are thinking about. And it's not just that we're called to not murder. We're not, certainly we're not to commit murder, but it's more than that. We're not to hate or despise or to um, um, get angry. Insult, get even. We're to forgive. We're to mend relationships. We're to seek reconciliation. We're to seek to come together with those we have had difficulty with. We're to seek peace. We, yes, we're told. You remember when Jesus was asked, what, what was the law? And he, what did he say? You're to love the, the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. But he goes on in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, you don't just love your neighbor. You don't stop there. You even love your enemies, and you pray for those who persecute you and seek to do you harm. Revolutionary, radical teachings. We don't seek revenge. We turn the other cheek once, twice, over and over and over again. He said possessions are not what's important, what defines us, not what gives us purpose in this life. It's not what we have. It's not riches. It's not material goods. They don't define us. They shouldn't control who we are or what we're seeking to become. And he said, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Why? God is in control. God has, was, is providing for you. And he said, there's only one who is qualified to sit in judgment. Not me. Only God can judge. And he said the way to hell is wide and easy. It's easy to go to hell. It's difficult to go to heaven. His way is difficult. But this was an amazing, revolutionary sermon that Jesus gave. And now we come, he's... He's, he's getting ready. He's going to walk down that mountain, and the crowds are going to follow him. But he has not done that. He's not ready to do it yet. He's, there's something more he wants to say. So 
as Jesus is getting ready to finish this sermon, he says something, as I said, that can be very disturbing. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, in that culture, my understanding is that when you would, uh, when you would double a name like that, that was an indication of intimacy, a familiarity. We do the same thing. Tai-Tai for Titus. Lulu for Lucy. Tom-Tom for Tommy. We double as a sign of affection and intimacy. And so when they, when somebody would say, Lord, Lord, they're saying, I know him. I know him. It was an indication of intimacy, I'm told. And he said, not everybody who acts as if they know me intimately will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he said, there is those who will enter the kingdom of heaven. And who are they? We begin there in verse 21. He says, and, I, and that is sobering and frightening when we, when we ponder that. And that's what we want to think about together tonight. Um, he, who was he speaking to? Those who came to hear him wanted to hear him. They were attracted to him and interested in, in what he had to say. And they had been listening now for some time to a long, detailed sermon from Jesus. And he had told them what they must do. He had given them his word, his commandments. They had just heard that. And now he brings these words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's speaking to people like us, churchy folks, folks that know all about the church, religion, know all the right words and phrases and things to say, can probably quote you some scripture. They know some stuff, but he says... Knowing stuff, being churchy, being outward religious, that people may see you and hear you, the things you do and say and how you act, but that's not the key concerning who's going to enter the kingdom of heaven. You can teach, you can preach, he said cast out demons, you can do all of these things that look like somebody that is about the business of Christianity, right? And what did Jesus say? He would say to those who come to him, some of those who come to him and say, Lord, Lord, I did this for you. And I did that for you. And I did that for you. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me you workers of lawlessness. Depart from me. I never knew you. So Jesus is saying, beware. Beware. Jesus is saying, examine your own heart. Look deep. Dig deep into your own heart to see, does Jesus know you? 
Does Jesus know you? Forget what others may think about you. Does Jesus know you? What is your heart? Where is your heart, really? And so, the question I guess we're pondering is, does our does Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, does he look and say, he loves me deeply. She loves me with all of my their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That one truly loves me. And so Jesus had given them this great sermon and an explanation of his commandments. Uh, but the question was, do they truly uh, get it? Do they truly understand? Have they truly grasped what Jesus has called them to? Um, will you do my word? Jesus might ask. Will you practice what you profess? Are you a doer of my word or only a hearer of my word? You say you know me. You say you love me. You say you're following me as my disciple. You say you're my child, but are you truly? And Jesus then gives a very simple test, a simple example with that parable that follows concerning how do you know if you are one who truly is his disciple. Now, you know, we all know that Jesus' parables are very helpful, and he used them quite a bit, didn't he? And you know, a lot of his parables, he used agricultural terms. Why? The people he spoke to, they understood those terms, didn't he, of agricultural terms. Seed, souls, sheep, goats, they understood all of that terminology. Now, what did Jesus do before he stepped forward and revealed himself as the Messiah and began to teach? What was he? He was a carpenter. He knew all about construction. A carpenter was a lot broader term in that time. It wasn't that he just, like we would say a carpenter back in, well, it used to be they drove nails. They used nail guns now. But, but you know, they, it was somebody that could operate a hammer and a saw, whatever, but Jesus knew all about construction, so he uses construction terminology here. And he tells them that if you want to know if you're practicing what you profess, he gave them a construction image. And he talked about what? A foundation. Someone who's going to build a house and what is the key thing? If I'm going to build a house, if I'm going to build a building, where do I start? And we could say that when he's talking about a building, he's talking about a life. Each one of you is building a life. And if you want to build a life, if you want to build a building, it has to have a foundation. That's the key. The foundation determines if the builder, he said, is a wise builder or a foolish builder. That's only two choices. 
Your life is either going to be built as a wise builder or a foolish builder. And he said that um, the foundation determines. And Luke's account said, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man who digs deep, digs deep and lays his foundation on a rock. And uh, so let's think a little bit about, about, about building. You know, if we were going to build something here, you know, we would go about a certain way. If we were, say, in California, somewhere like that, we would have some additional factors or elements to consider. If it was in a a uh, earthquake prone area we'd have to build a certain kind of foundation if we're down on the coast we got to go a different direction why because there are other considerations we've got hurricanes we also have to dig deeper and we might have to drive piles to get it down to where we can make contact with the bedrock you know even i remember when pam and i went to charleston south county we walked on the beach and it looks like it's hard doesn't it it's not <laughs> it just looks like it's hard you got to dig deep to get to the rock um, certain principles of construction come into play depending upon considering all the things that that building may have to face. Buildings have to face wind and rain and hail, tornadoes and hurricanes, termites and vermin of all, you know, you have to make sure it's rat proof, right? And, and, uh, and uh, you have to treat it for termites. All of those things come into play when you plan constructions, construction of a house if you plan construction of a life. Jesus says the key is if you hear his words, his commands, and do them, or you hear his words and ignore them. Or decide, not important, I think I can have a pretty good house. I think I can have a pretty good life without that. You know, it'll be okay. After all, I've got other things that are more important to me. So, the key consideration, Jesus' sermon, is the foundation. It must be a strong foundation. It doesn't matter what we put on top, does it? We can have the most beautiful structure we start erecting if the foundation's not rock solid, stable, secure. It won't stand when the trials and the difficulties come. If we get the foundation right, our building, our life will be level, it'll be stable, it'll be secure, come what may. Um, so the question for all of us is the same question that those folks listening to his sermon there on the plateau on the mountain had to consider. What am I building my house on? What am I building my life on? What do I wish my life to be? What do I wish my life to accomplish? What is my purpose? Who's it all about? Is it about me or is it about Jesus? Jesus said that it's either a foolish builder or a wise builder. And he said, don't call me Lord, Lord, if you hadn't tended to the foundation. 
If you haven't gotten the foundation right, it's foolish to be acting as if you're familiar with me, that you're my best bud. We're not Jesus' best bud. He's our Lord and our Savior. And he has called us to be completely committed to him. And so how do we know if we have started out and we're built, continuing to build this life on the rock-solid foundation? Well, he just right before this passage talked about trees and fruit in verse 16. And he talked about being aware of false prophets. And we judge by fruit. And that's, he goes on, that's the same that's true for us. The fruit will tell whether or not we are committed to obeying Jesus Christ, that he is indeed our Lord, not just our Savior, but he's our Lord. If we're going to call him Lord, is he our Lord? And the proof of that faith is the fruit, fruit of our faith is not our words, it's not the show that we may project to other people, it's our obedience to Jesus' commands. They knew what Jesus had commanded. He just gave that to them. They were familiar with the Old Testament uh, and the prophets. And now they had the words of Jesus himself. Are we about the business of forgiving? Or do we harbor anger and hatred toward another because of past deeds? Are we about not just loving our neighbor? Are we about Loving our enemies. Those who have hurt us. Those who would hurt us. Or we're about turning the other cheek. Over and over and over again. The things that Jesus commanded us to do. That he said are the key. Are very difficult. Indeed. We can't do them without the Holy Spirit sanctifying work in our hearts. He has to, he, what he has commanded us, his Holy Spirit has to help us, has to enable us to do. But that, nevertheless, we are commanded to do it. That doesn't excuse us. We can't say, I'm helpless. No, you're not. He sent the comforter. He sent the helper. We are to obey. We know what he's commanded. We see it in his Bible. He's told us, the frightening fact is that there's a thing called self-deception, and that's what's at play here. There are those that can be religious, that can be churchy, that can say all the right things, and yet they can be strangers to Jesus Christ, ultimately. They're just uh, as... Uh, uh, Drew referred to this. There, there are people that sit in the pew that do not know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And so we want to be sure that we dig deep and examine our own hearts and do not make the mistake my actions, my words, and my works for a genuine, genuine relationship. Dig deep and know your heart and understand that ultimately. All of my works are filthy rags. There is my best thing comes up short. My best work comes up short. The only thing that measures up 
that counts is the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. He did it all. He did it all. What he, he came into this world to live and to die. He lived a perfect life and he went to the cross in our place. He died in our place. That's what's effective. There's nothing that I contribute to the transaction but my sin. I can do nothing to contribute to what Jesus has already done. Getting baptized is good. Memorizing the catechism is good. Learning uh, scripture verses is good. But head knowledge, the having godly parents or godly grandparents, that, that's good. But that's not what's the key thing in terms of your standing with your heavenly father. Going down the aisle, saying a prayer. Am I known by Jesus. He chose me. He saved me. And now I will obey him. I will seek to obey his every command. And love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because I love him. I love him. And some may say, well, I hope whenever I come to the end of life that my good deeds outweigh my evil ones. You ain't got any good deeds. The scale will never be tipped in your favor. The only thing, as I said, that you bring is your sin. Our best is not good enough. Religious stuff, churchy stuff, it doesn't equal salvation. It's not a foundation upon which you can build a life. The thing you, upon which you can build a life is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Whenever the church was meeting at Young Church post-Pentecost, when it was gathering together, uh, let me flip over there, Acts chapter 2 somewhere, I believe it was, wasn't it? Uh, and they said they were meeting and they were doing some things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Uh, what was that apostles' teaching that they were devoting themselves to? What was that? Gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the rock-solid foundation. We always say that it's Jesus is the answer to every Sunday school question, right? Jesus, yes, he is the rock. But when we talk about that rock upon which we build a foundation, we're building upon the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came and he died and he was resurrected. That is the thing that we cannot ever compromise and let go that is the foundation that the wise builder builds upon. That is what we're so blessed and thankful to have a pastor that brings the gospel week after week after week. That is the thing that we cannot compromise and that we must realize that is the key to our eternal destiny. Not just who we are today, but who we will be forever is secure in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So every true believer is rooted in and built upon the foundation of the work of Jesus Christ. That's the rock-solid foundation. The fact is that that dug-deep, solid rock foundation that will not move and cannot be moved is Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so the choice is ours. Wise builder foolish builder will be one or the other 
And we need to be sure we dig deep and examine our own hearts. That we're not self-deceived. That we're not thinking that somehow that we are the person, we're the key. That we did something that would make Jesus proud, proud, proud to save us. No. We didn't have anything except need. Desperately needed a Savior. Desperately needed to be loved by our Heavenly Father. And so he sent his son. Let's close in prayer. Oh God, we must have you and our hope we find in the shed blood of Jesus and his resurrection from the grave. Father, I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and I rely on it completely and, uh, and I rely upon the completed work of Jesus Christ for me. There is nothing, nothing that I might attempt to do that would ever make me acceptable. Thank you, Father, that you know me and yet you still love me. Father, like Peter, I know that you are the Christ, the living Son, the Son of the living God. And it is in that gospel message that I cling and I love and I trust. I believe that nothing can separate us from your kingdom and your strength and the power of your truth. It is in that truth that we rest tonight and every moment of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to do 293.